This podcast is sponsored by Eucora. I've always gotten a ton of UTIs. I tried everything. Cranberry products never worked. I felt like I had no choices and constant anxiety. I needed a better option. I'm Jenna Ryan, founder of Eucora. Eucora is a urinary health company that specializes in UTI education and UTI relief products. They also make urinary tract health supplements so you can finally get ahead. All of Eucora's supplements were built in collaboration with doctors and scientists, leveraging the latest in urinary health research using ingredients found in nature. Eucora can help put the power back in your hands. Try Eucora today. Get 30% off your first Eucora order when you text SOLUTION to 64000. Text SOLUTION to 64000 to get 30% off. That's S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N to 64000. By texting 64,000, you agree to receive recurring automated marketing messages from Ucora. Message and data rates may apply. No purchase required. Terms apply. Available at Ucora.com. Reply stop to stop. Help for help. When I decided to parent at 22 years of age, I had no idea how challenging or rewarding it would be. Looking back, I'd do it all over again. Being a single mom isn't always easy, but it can be the greatest adventure of a lifetime. Whether you're at the beginning of this journey or somewhere in between, CareNet is your go-to place for pregnant and parenting resources. And all services are free and confidential. To learn more and find a location near you, visit our website at carenetcares.com. Millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. Produced by a nuclear exchange would be carried by wind and water and soil and seed to the far corners of the kingdom of God, the The kingdom kingdom of heaven. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We're not saying that planet Earth is coming to an end. We're saying that planet Earth is about to be refurbished, spaded under, and have another chance to serve as a garden for another civilization. Most of the people in here are just your reflections. They're your mistakes. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. One million of the planet's eight million species are threatened. You are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Your lives and the credibility of the United Nations is at stake. Epstein didn't kill himself. The reason this is such an interesting time is not only because we're on the threshold of the end of this civilization. They're trying to take you out with bullshit. The experience of the past two years has proven beyond doubt that no nation can appease the Nazis. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass, and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. In the language of the U.S. Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. Uh, there is very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone. This is the Garden of Doom. Welcome, everyone, into Garden of Doom. And this week, 
we have a new guest coming to us from Lisbon, Portugal. I'm not sure if I've had anyone from Portugal on the show yet or someone that's been in Portugal, but he is both from and in Portugal. This is Ricardo Calvario. Uh, I am not even sure exactly where I met Ricardo. I think it might have been through the Perceptions Today um, Twitter link, uh, Twitter account, who referred a lot of people to me. Uh, or it's from the Nikki Anna Jones's show. I know that we were both on Nikki Anna's show, but I think that was just a happy little coincidence. Um, anyway, we'll get into that a little bit later if need be. But he's born in 1970. I need my glasses. He's 1975 in Lisbon, Portugal. Uh, he studied at a strict Catholic school and studied the uh, Bible studies. Um, he went to Amana Church with a strong and powerful priest who introduced him to some things that he would call impossible until he actually uh, viewed them for himself. He worked there in a, in a bunch of different capacities, everything from sound mixing to giving biblical courses to watching over children in, in, in daycare uh, and counting money. Everything that you, you know, that you would associate with being sort of like a trusted right-hand person. Um, Learned a lot about the power structure in the church and humanity general. He uh, also applied to, for a doctorate in psychology, studied there. He thought it would be interesting, uh, but he didn't finish that. And he dedicated to uh, being like a self-researcher. Um, and he's been doing that ever since, as well as maintaining regular jobs that allowed him to continue to do uh, this type of research. And basically, he studies cosmology. Uh, and anything that, well, sort of like this show, anything that makes him curious and sort of like this show, he's curious about a lot of things and his writings are extensive. If any of you follow him on Twitter, and if you don't, you should, uh, he provides writings, not just his own, but others. He shares books uh, and writes and everything. I actually had to sort of figure out what to pair this show down to because there's almost nothing that he doesn't write upon that, that, that couldn't fit into the Garden of Doom uh, milieu or genre, if we even have a genre, uh, into our jungle, so to speak. Um, but some of the things he's talked about, studied, giants. Well, we talk about that lots of times. Uh, to, to the Floriensius, uh, we talk about the different uh, states of uh, man, the different homo, from habilis and erectus to, you know, uh, and, and australopithecines before that. Uh, the use or non-use of parts of the brain uh, talks about the, the list of kings, the gods of old, the watchers, uh, whether or not the watchers were really divine or something else, and, and whether there was some sort of regional governorship or viceroyship. Uh, I, I, everything that you can think of that's here. So he has, one of his focuses somebody calls the helix myth, uh, and he also has a lot of expertise and inf information on anomalies on the moon and Mars. Uh, so those are the three areas that we sort of settle on, or I settle on. So let's focus on those things because I think those are unique to you, and I'm not probably not going to get them anywhere else. And let's, or at least not first. So let's go with those. And he agreed. And that is a very long introduction. So I apologize, Ricardo. Thank you so much for coming into the Garden of Doom, and please correct or embellish on the biography and, and properly introduce yourself. Okay, thank you. First of all, thank you very much for having me. Uh, 
everything you said is basically correct. Uh, I, I, I always found uh, school to be quite frustrating. So I, I never, as I told you, I never managed to, to finish uh, school. Then I, I regained trust in the, in the teaching system by, by seeing some people that I met in the, in the, in the university about psychological studies. And I decided to go for myself and once again, after a year, I found out that my questions, not only they were not being answered, as what we are learning uh, had very little to do with my interests. It's not, the, the course was not to blame, but it doesn't fulfill my, my, my interests. So I decided to start looking for things for myself. Uh, as you said, I was unfortunate enough to, to have passed some years in a Catholic school. Uh, where to them was more important to be at eight o'clock at Thursdays at church than to actually be in class. Uh, but they taught me a lot. Uh, and, and, and then after that, I was lucky enough to ingress into a church that it's Mana. Uh, I think its origin is, is Brazilian, but I was fortunate to have a priest that was not that did not belong to their group was recently placed in the new church, and he had a view that was uh, more akin to magic than to religion, if we can put it that way. So we we had ceremonies where well I seen things like old ladies with 80, 80 years old uh, kicking. The chairs of the of, of of the cold place and and throwing three lines of chairs like twenty chairs going in front of her with only one kick and it was an eighty year old lady so there was no fakery there was that something was at play there and uh, in time I learned that we do have the power that you wish to have if if we have the strength to understand it and to let it out so. They, they taught us about one thing, there is unsung, uh, I don't have the term in English, uh, but it, it's like uh, like the earth has telluric energy, we also conduct energy, and that energy can flow and can be used to healing hands, to make exorcist, uh, uh, how do I say, the exorcist, so to exorcist, uh, I don't know how to say this in, in the verb. I can try. I mean, channeling, you know, sort of almost like the chi in, in martial arts in, in some of the Eastern, you, you channel the energy and you, you project it in some sort of focused way. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, not like some Asian people that say that can put things on fire. We never get to that. But, but things quite simple, like touching a person and, and the person instantly falls unconscious, for instance. So... Lane hands, they, they call yes, it here. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's that. So I was very strong on that since uh, I was not even allowed to keep hands on people on the roads because everyone falls when they, when they attach to me. I, I, I was somehow not suitable to that energy. Uh, uh, even, the, even if the priests do it to me, I had to fall on out of respect and not out of reality. Let's put it that way. Uh, so that was a broadening of mind to me. And this all happens until I had about 17, 18 years old when I finally get out of the church because it, it, 
it started to be all about money because he was being pressed from from the brazil institutions to make money make money so the ceremony ended up being 90 percent talking about the devil and they have to pay their dues and 10 percent actually caring for people so i eventually left right uh there was nothing for me there. I couldn't stand it, it, it especially because I, I, at the end I was counting the money and it, it was absurd because most of the people had very little of their own and, and they kept giving on giving and it was ridiculous. I couldn't stand it. So I got out. Uh, moving forward. So I started my Helix tree that you talked about because I, I, I realized that uh, myths that as so many of your guests have talked about, I started with the Enuma Elish. Uh, from the Enuma Elish, I gone to Babylon, from Babylon to Summer, Summer to Egypt, Egypt to Greeks, Greeks to Romans. And I realized that what we are seeing is a bigger history that some people have part of the history or part of the facts. The names were different, the actions were the same, the people even sometimes seemed the same. Uh, and perhaps that all started with uh, the myth of Noah, that is obviously not the first time it was written not necessarily the real account of what happened and before that we had upnapistin that you have told so many times the the name but never uh, pronounced it right yes <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure i'm pronouncing it right but in here it, it upnapistin uh and i realized the connections and, and, and the links between singer i thought everyone can make an an educated creation myth because it's so segmented that if, no matter how you change the names or the sequence of events, especially when mixed with science, that's what I did, and tried to put a little bit of romance in it, uh, I decided to create my own myth, and I did. I created the, the helix tree. So what I pretend to do with that is, let's exclude every other race that might exist in the universe, and let's focus on humans alone because that's what we know, right? So let's let's think for a moment that humans are the only uh, above nature, let's call it like that, uh, species to exist. How did it come to be? Because we clearly don't, can, didn't come from nature because uh, we are different. We don't see any other animal. Some people say the elephant destroys everything in its path. But the elephant will be controlled by the environment itself because if he destroys the habitat, then the habitat will destroy him by hunger. So it's it's in all in what I call the, the animal's equilibrium. That's what feeds from the source to us and, and keeps on going in the cycle of life and death. Because uh, we are the only species that can somehow destroy itself beyond the parameters that the, the environment or nature would allow normally we have exceeded the balance exactly exactly but how did we do that you see because everywhere we, we go into the past and read we, there are references for us being created and not not once we read that oh it, there used to be a monkey and now it's a man for instance making it very rude uh it's always a creation and and Scientists tend to think that myths have nothing to do with reality. They are just allegorical terms, and sometimes they are. But what if, what if we really were created? 
how we will be created. So by connecting the dots, for instance, you, you had a, a guest recently that talked about the seeding of life into planets, into moons, with the objects that I think are like Oumuamua, the, that long, long object that's entered. Right. Okay, so my thoughts was this. Uh, let's create the universe using a mathematical language translated into myth, giving the names like music being the architect, Om, the, the, the famous Om being the, the vibration that created the first frequency that creates, that started to divide matter, etc. And, and reached to the points when I realized that uh, this cosmos cannot, uh, the energies that create this cosmos cannot interact with life itself and could not create it. It, it can create the vibration, the patterns, the essence, the matter, but it, it can't do much more than that because it doesn't have any ways to to shape it. See, when when you have uh, you you you, know, you can't pass electricity for a cable, but you can't make it make a drawing or become a solid state, for instance. You need something beyond that. So, I imagined a species that they created being like us, being half spiritual and half material. I imagined a species that was half ethereal and half physical. That those are the pelf that eventually would train what we so many times heard about the watchers, the shepherds, and those would be the only high advanced creatures with physical bodies but spiritual spiritual nature. And those beings would be placed in galaxies, once one species by galaxy. And they would be the ones that, after the the the, the seed, the the, the, the the should I say it, um, the seeding of the planets by by those objects that were the the the, the I can't remember the name right now. Sorry, architect. Uh, no, it's it, uh, the seeding probes that are launched by by the. Oh. From the, from the tree levels, from the, the tree of life itself, they're from thousands, millions of those, of those probes that fell into planets. Sometimes it combines with the essence of the planet, sometimes it doesn't. And the shepherds would be the ones that would manage life, to be sure that the animal's equilibrium continues. There is no unbalance. They would have, they would be the ones with access to the things we'd call about the gates. But it's, it's basically panspermia. Exactly. It's intelligent design, but it maybe is less intelligent than guided design. Exactly. Because chaos has to play its part. Right. So uh, when the planet was seeded, these races would, be, would form colonies in each solar system, for instance, and control that system at a distance and could go back and forward through the gates. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I'm terribly sorry. I didn't shut this off. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. That's so, okay. So unprofessional. What, what music sorry. is that? Oh, this is from this is a, a song from the game The Witcher Free. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the name, but it's played by a traditional band from the eastern part of the world with traditional instruments. And because I, I do love traditional music, 
Yeah, it sounded like it might be from India or something. Anyway, cause, uh, I, uh, I stray, but want to see if I can learn something just from a little uh, spontaneous moment there. But yeah, so it, it, it's, you know, it doesn't sound entirely different than the Anunnaki, I suppose, except for the gold mining. Oh, they, they do play a part in it because my characters, uh, one of them is... The one that will give name to the Anunnaki, and it's part of the story, it, it, the name doesn't come by chance, because he, he, this person was son of Anu and son of Aki. Right. And when they were cast out from their galaxy, they, 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 they fled away, and this is how the moon enters into the play, because they, they, this, this race of shepherds that we're talking about, they, they were so efficient. So they, they, they dedicated themselves to technology. They were so efficient, so efficient, that they managed to settle their galaxy much faster than they expected. So they and have, Anu have and Aka or Aki are they're, they're actual gods. They are from, actual gods, exactly. From, yes. I think from both Sumerian and Babylonian. Yes. But also, isn't there an Anu? In Indian mythology, yes, there is. Yes, there yeah, is. So, yeah, and I and I believe even going older is you know it's it gets harder and harder to verify. I think, but I think Manu was the first man, but I think there was an Anu. Even I don't know what to call this culture that probably had no name, but sort of you know proto Indo European steppe peoples. Yes, I think so. I think, so. I think so. I think Anu goes back as far as that. And I think Manu was, was the first man. I think that's actually where the word man comes from is way back when and in, in this story. Or the, the the word man was used and you know they, they retrofitted the story to it. Who knows? But in your book, it would be the Manu came first uh, because people were, the, the words were sort of imposed upon them or given in, to them. In, in my book, Manu is the one responsible for the, the, the creation of the one that will turn the, the Aryans, that are the ones that I call from the other galaxy. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what Mainu did was he decided to, if, if, if you look into every myth, be it the Bible, be it the, the Tolkien, wherever we get, we see that it all works in circles. And there is always someone that wants to be the same as the creator or do the same as the creator did. And in this case, Mino was the first because he was a pelt, but he decided to create a being on its own instead of a collective mine of the pelt. And so he created Angra. And Angra was the 13 of the 12. The 12 are the 12 houses, the 12 couples that they always created for each shepherd race. And the 13 would be the, the voice in case of dissension. Beyond that, he had no power at all. But it was like the, the main figure, but but only had power if the, they, they couldn't get to agreement be, among themselves. So, and it was this anger that decided that he was so, it was too much pelf in him. And so he wanted to return to the source. And to return to the source, he needed to meddle with the gates. And the gates, to me, are divided in, in, in several tribes. We have the U-gate that connects universes. You have the G-gate that connects galaxies to make it simple. You have the P-gates that connects planets and moons, like we had on Earth. And we have the, the source gate. And the source gate 
was completely unconnected after the, the, the species was delivered to their home planet. And they keep kept going from system to system by the use of these gates that were allowed then. What happened is that they decided to use the gates, he, Mino, decided to use the gate with the help of Anak, the son of Anu and Aki, he decided to build a gate into a ship. And in, and in, by doing that, he violated the commandments and the Pelf decided to destroy their entire galaxy by creating black holes after black hole after black hole, everything was to be sucked. But thanks to the ingenuity of, of Anak, Anu, that to honor his, his creator had already named his own land as Angra Maino, that's a name that you must recognize. It's the counterpart of the Huru Mazda. Uh, he decided, he decided to, to put the ship, uh, the, the, the gate into the ship and try to go to the source. But he was kept from doing that because of the, all the black holes that start appearing. And to make the story short, in their escape, they used the power of one of the black gates to power the, the gate inside the ship. Upgraded from a G, a G level to uh, sorry to S level to a G level, and they emerge right here on our solar system. And by emerging on our solar system, they emerge from the gate that was on the planet Phaeton, that was the planet beneath uh, between uh, planet Earth and planet Mars, that today is the the asteroid field Ooh. that we have. So. When he emerged, when the ship emerged from, from the planet Phaeton, it, it, the explosion damaged the, the very city where the Syrians, that were the shepherds of our system, were settled in Mars, in the place that Richard Holland so much talked about, that is Sidonia, where we find the face, the DNM pyramid, all the geometry that we find out, the can't be by accident, and I, as I usually say, coincidence takes planning. Uh, so that ship emerged, and the big thing is that that ship is the moon that we have today. And because they damaged Mars, they couldn't settle themselves into Mars, and the second best planet was the Earth. Okay. So. They choose the Earth, they stabilize the Earth with the, their ship, although very damaged, as Richard Oglund has shown in many images. All the domes are damaged, all the spires are broken, uh, lots of glass. Uh, they crawled to the Earth, they stabilized the axis, they focused the, 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 the duration of the day and of night into a, a, into a timeline that can sustain life because they they need life as any other being right uh and they start to colonize it but their idea was to bring their own offspring from the ship and colonize colonize the entire planet but because the syrians fought them when I decided to parent at 22 years of age, I had no idea how challenging or rewarding it would be. Looking back, I'd do it all over again. Being a single mom isn't always easy, but it can be the greatest adventure of a lifetime. Whether you're at the beginning of this journey or somewhere in between, CareNet is your go-to place for pregnant and parenting resources. And all services are free and confidential. To learn more and find a location near you, visit our website at carenetcares.com. 
Johnny Saddlebags. Slippery Pete. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. Ain't but one thing to do. Yep, start banking at community banks. Say what now? We'll grow this town bigger by doing business with community banks. That way our money will get reinvested locally and help small businesses grow and prosper. Son of a saddle spur. This town will be big enough for the both of us. Help your community grow. Find your community bank at banklocally.org. And they fought them very well, although they were very few. They managed to destroy all... Like, imagine what you see in the Matrix film, all the pods. The inside of the ship had lots of pods like that for a, for a colonization of, of the Earth. But because they've managed to ins go inside the ship and destroy that pods, they had to have some being to do their bidding and to be able to for them to reproduce and continue their species and so on. And that's when humans came on. Because they look at the Earth and today, if you look at the, the primates with the utmost intelligence, you were looking at uh, bonobos. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term. Yeah, they're sort of like chimps, but uh, not exactly the same. A bonobo is an animal that likes to walk upright, that like Marianne, uh, a very kind lady that, that was the only one to work with them, show they can play game, computers, they can solve riddles, they can cook, they can make fire. So. It's a very special type of, of, of primate. And you can't do that with chimpanzees, you can't do that with, although gorillas and some chimpanzees can learn some language, uh, bonobos are far more intelligent. They are really intelligent creatures. Species-wide, they're, they're more yeah. communal and more, I, I don't know, gentle, more, yeah. uh, more... Human? Is, is that the right word? Uh, maybe not. I'm not sure. Perhaps more bonobo. <laughs> but, more <right. laughs> but so they, for me, that was the best candidate. And they took whatever creature, like the bonobo we have today at the time, and they, masters of DNA as they were, uh, they decided to create a being at their own shape for their own reproduction uh, uh, needs. And that's when humans come into play, and that's why we are the only species that, that does not belong neither to nature nor to a, a, a higher ground. So that's why we have in the record, we find, for instance, the, the old age of the kings that are already from the period when the gods retreat, because we find before that we have the War of the Gods, that was the final war between the Syrians and the Aryans, that we have focus in India, we have focus in the Sahara Desert, on where we see large areas all filled with glass, for instance. Uh, and after that war, they were so few that they decided to retreat into the shadows and they left the, the so-called uh, the sun kings or the sun gods rule as we see in Egypt and and that's why technology seems to emerge from a prime time and then declining in almost every civilization from South America to, to Egypt. It's something that archaeologists still they, they they do try to say, oh they built two pyramids before that one and and they were not so well accomplished. But in truth 
we don't we can't take stone there are some tests with luminosity these days i'm not sure if that's the correct word but by there are some tests that can date stone but i i still am very suspicious about dates mm-hmm. because time is not linear so when we say that the moon for instance is 4.5 billion years old we are thinking in our measure of time but time is something that is not linear it can go faster it can go slower and those that live in it that's that how can i say it? for instance for sure you have talked with people that have experienced uh, time dilations for instance where time mm-hmm. seems to, to flow we all have that perception right. and and that doesn't break the time for other people for instance right right so our our true self not our brains but our true self has ways to dilate or to shrunk that time for instance with anxiety or to dilate it because of joy or because of deep immersion into to something uh, so time is not linear to me so saying that the earth that the, the, the moon has 4.5 billion years old does not mean it's actually 4.5 billion years old that's why life follows the same rule that's why i think that for instance after the, the destruction of the dinosaurs that they say 65 billion years ago million years ago uh, there was no more dinosaurs and yet we have at least one researcher that has thousands of pieces that he himself had to say had to say it was a forgery so it can remain in business and and as a credible person uh, when they all depict people and dinosaurs like triceratops uh, the one with the tall neck brontosaurus uh, lots lots thousands of those things so if he did made him himself there will be thousands and thousands of hours doing nothing else because he has oh, thousands I, I, of them. i've spoken to the yeshiva ch- train orthodox jews I, I, I want to be careful to use the right words or at least not the wrong ones but yeah they point to, to those pictures, and I believe that there are also depictions in, I think maybe it was Cambodia and Angkor Wat. Is, is, is that might be right? Where there, yes, there is one in Cambodia. Yes, there is one. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, there's definitely something. And to some of the things you were saying, I mean, I didn't realize this, and I'm not sure exactly how correct I am. I'm just, repeat, I'm just sort of like parroting what I've, what I've heard from people who I assume know something. But carbon dating is, can only go back 50,000 years. And with geology they look more to layers than necessarily measuring the rocks themselves it might be the type of rock but they're usually looking for some sort of other signal in there like if there is for instance they people know when the fire in rome was when nero let you know burn rome so they they see the layer of ash and they know that's around 64 a.d and you know they they see layers where there were certain uh components you know where, where there's a uh condensed layer between two different layers of rock and they know that that was when you know an asteroid hit and so there was a certain type of you know uh, uh ash layer around or they find the ash layer you know like an inch and a half thick between two layers of rock and then they go back and measure and they go huh well this has this kind of element and this kind of element and this element doesn't form naturally uh, on the earth and so we we posit that that was a giant meteor strike you know, in such and such, and, and that explains why this happens. It's, you know, sometimes the, the, you know, science is evolving, obviously, but sometimes they're finding things and retrofitting them into theories. 
Um, and there is quite a bit of controversy into the dating of things. But one thing's for sure is that everything keeps getting older. I mean, even in the time that you and I have cyber known each other, and we spoke once before, like through a Zoom or Skype or something like that. But even in the time we've known each other, things have gotten older. I mean, you know, I think that when we, you know, f first met, uh, there, there was no Carahan Tepe. There is now. There was only yeah. Go Tepe. But 20 years ago or 25 years ago, there was no Go Blacky, Go Blackly Tepe. I mean, everyone assumed that the Sumeria was the most ancient of civilizations. And turns out, nope, probably not even close. And, you know, then there's Harapan, which is, you know, older and they're finding stuff in, in the water. And it's very hard to age, date anything that's in the water. But yeah, I mean, but what I want to ask you in your book, and, and again, you know, you have said it, it's, it's fiction, but you're trying to use science and mythology and, and mythos and ligos to put together, you know, a historical fiction, but, but something that would meet with a timeline. So in your book, what year was it, using our years around, that this sort of seeding started taking place? Because I, I wonder if it parallels with uh, Bruce Fenton's hypothesis. No, I think Bruce Fenton pushes the limits to a much more educated guest than my own. I, I decided to keep things a little bit shorter, perhaps to one million years, perhaps for the seeding of life in general. But but for, for intelligent life, I will put it perhaps between 600 and 700,000 years that he places for the creation of, of men, if I'm, I'm, I, I, I remember correctly. He sort of puts between 780,000 BCE, whatever. I mean, you know, I mean, these 2023 years hardly matters in, in, in that scope of things. But to, he points out that there were five huge genetic changes in what ultimately became humans within a 200,000 year period, basically between 780 uh, BCE to roughly 600,000 BCE. That, that, that any one of those changes usually takes around 200 million years to achieve, but all happen within this short period of time. And he sort of points to different events and other external. It, I mean, it's very, I mean, people should check out that show, 780,000 uh, BCE, Panspermia, I think is the name of the show. But if you don't want to listen to my show, just ask Bruce. He's, he tweets about it every day and he, and he, and he puts links in there. Yeah, I um, listened but, to the show. It was, it was very good. I listened. Yeah, no, he's 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 terrific, and he, he's been on other stuff too. Um, but uh, it was, I, I I can't remember which is which, but both the Egyptian dynastic houses and the Sumerian, you know, lists of, of their kings, you know, whether it's the pharaohs or the kings, they both go back. You know, I think one is four hundred thirty-two thousand years, and I think that that's the the Sumerian list of the kings because I know that four hundred thirty-two, you know, is, is sort of a a very important number with the whole Anunnaki. So I, I think the Egyptian one is a little bit shorter, but maybe 386, maybe 400,000, you know, but again, rounding, it, it's not that far off. So yours is sort of in between both. Yes. I, 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 I try to follow the extreme of science. Let's put it this way. And the extreme of science nowadays rounds about 300,000 years for a, a modern man. Yeah. Although they could go much further back. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but yes, I have nothing against the Bruce Phantom series. I think he's, he's brilliant in what he does. But I, I try to, 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 to narrow it down by, as, as, you, as you've seen, um, 
I think that every species that we are talking about, be it uh, the Homo florensis being a giant, being uh, somewhere in between, I think that all these main species that then intermingled with one another had their own purpose. They had a purpose to be fulfilled. For instance, if, if we think about those, how little were the Hobbit people, they would be very handy in, in spaces where they have to have little people to do it, like mining, because I'm not an advocate that they, like, um, like Sitchin, that they went here to mine gold, because to me it sounds ridiculous. If you want mm -hmm. gold, you can go anywhere. Well, yes, and in fact, as you know, you go to an asteroid and you, you pick up more gold than you can ever pick in a planet that has a, a complete formation. So Right, too much water here. Uh, I, I think that uh, they needed they needed to build their empire. They need to build their cities. They need to build their infrastructures, and and they needed people to do each other tasks. That's why they are so. Let, let's imagine you can have uh, an endertal to to do the hard work because they have very dense bones. They, their muscles would would be behind a. Uh, 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 a giant with the, the, the double of their size because they, they were massive, they were very strong. Uh, Clovis seems to be around the same, not Clovis, it's the Denisovan seems to be because we only have a thumb and they create a howl being from a thumb, right. but <laughs> that aside, uh, it will be also very strong. And and the gracile the, that we are now it would be ideal for male and female for other purposes like reproduction and so on so but since the, the the other types of human were no longer needed in the long span of time and not to include the the the, the 12,000 year cycle more or less uh they eventually turn out to to, to fade out if you see my for instance my video on the, um, the, the the third part that i did on on atlantis uh, I found out by doing the research in Atlantis that, uh, for instance, Hanno, uh, in one of his voyages around Africa, he, he went up into a, an island into a, a little bit above Angola. Okay, I, I can't phantom the, the name of the island right now. But what he found, and it's, it, it was written at then in the Periples of Hanno, that anyone can check it out. Who? Uh, Who is the person? Periples of Hanu. It's the name of the book. It's okay. called Periples of Hanu. Uh, and he wrote there that the whole island was inhabited by more than two meters tall creatures, completely covered in fur, but th that were intelligent and were untamable. And after many tries, they finally captured a female because they thought it would be docile to, to, to take uh, them with take it her with them uh, it happens it was not and they eventually had to kill her or that she would kill them all in the boat because she was too strong for them and so they killed them they killed her they they took over uh, the flesh the, uh, the sorry the fur mm -hmm. and the fur was taken into a temple uh, uh, in Carthage where it stood for many, many years, there is very records of, of the, the, that, uh, that fur being there until it eventually was lost, perhaps sacked in an attack of the city, something, and it was lost in, in time. 
Is Hanu Hannibal or is a different no no? It's, it's his real name is Hanu. He, he, he sailed out with uh, a, an enormous uh, uh, horde of ships to colonize or to survey the north of Africa and to turn around into as far as possible he could go south through the west coast of, of, of Africa. Because I recently uh, heard, oh, I wish I paid more attention to it. I, I mean, literally within this week, I, I heard a story of a sailing expedition, uh, that, rather recent, you know, within the last 300 years or so, definitely within the last 500 years, probably within the last 300 years. I think that it was Europeans. I'm not sure, but it was a fleet and they tried to go as far south in Africa as they could. And they too encountered an island and the, the local people, and it was sort of a description sort of like yours, um, but they killed every, all of it. And the, the local people called it like gorilla or gorilla. And that might be where the word gorilla comes from for, uh, and maybe they were gorillas, but the description isn't, ex isn't really what you would, I mean, I, you know, I, I know the words sometimes get lost in translation over time, but it did sound more like an upright person that was very hairy as as opposed to i mean it sounded more like a yeti or or like the the the, the creature in in the in the lovecraft uh story in the in the cave um than a gorilla i mean i think that someone would just you know large brow you know black hair silver back enormous muscles and back usually on all fours beating chest like none of that was there it was all more upright but but hairy and i you know i mean just from the sketches that that alfred uh, durer made of a rhinoceros just from descriptions i actually think that people in the past were better descriptors than most of us because they didn't have photographs and and their, their memories like you know it always astounds me that everybody remembered the name of every family and crest and everyone's relationship and that's because they all life was memory everything was practically oral so you're you know our brains were functioning you know, in that literal way and in, 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 on a higher level um, and retaining more detail. So that's a very long way of saying, I don't know if it's the same story that you're retelling, but whatever this was, this this was factual as well. Uh, whether it's where the word gorilla came from, I don't know, but I, I don't believe that the description that they, that they used actually fits a gorilla or an orangutan. It's closer to it. Maybe they were bonobos, um, but it's certainly closer to bonobo or a hairy, you know, person who didn't really, and, and they were gentle, um, but they weren't gentle once, you know, they were tried to be coaxed aboard a ship and, you know, prodded at musket point or spear point or both, you know, then, then some of them got, you know, uh, defensive, but <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? Um, but they didn't start that way. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's the same thing. And if it, if yours was within the last, you know, handful of centuries. Oh, I can tell you exactly when it's going to Ah, no, I cannot because I don't have it here. No, I don't have it here. It's but uh, the, the purpose of Hanu is, is... Well, where was Hanu from? Carthage. Oh, from Carthage. So I would yeah. so that probably would have been much longer. Maybe it was longer. Maybe, maybe it was, but I, you know, again, I, I, I wish... I, I did hear the story you were talking about. But I didn't realize it was an island. I thought it was in the main continent of Africa, and it was exactly what gave the name to the gorillas. It, yours is probably right. again. I did not pay the level of attention. No, no, it, it, they, they are not. I'm not saying yours is not correct. I'm, I'm saying there must be two separate stories about two separate sites. That's the 
what I'm getting from it. Possibly interesting though. You know, it's just a weird coincidence, and I, you know, again, I they're me. not the only ones because in in that same research, I also found that the the garments that a lot of people don't know who they are. The garments were people from a little bit to the west of Egypt that controlled the the trade in the Sahara. Even the Romans had to deal with them to have access to salt and other commodities that they, they shipped through the Sahara back and forward from the, the, the east coast. The Dogon, did you say, or the Garment? No, Garment, the Garment. The Dogon is to the south. It's okay. Not, okay, this is the, the west part of the, the east part of the Sahara, and they controlled the whole trade of the Sahara. They, they reached great, great size in terms of civilization to the point that the Romans thought, okay, they are having too much and they are too weak for us, so let's take it all instead of paying them to do the job for us, let's take it all. And that's when the, the garments were ended. But the garments have an, a very interesting story because they, in their origins, there are several reports of them killing uh, a certain type of human that could run faster than horses. And if we go to to, to anthropology, we find that the, the only uh, skeleton that we have from a former human that could run that fast was Homo erectus that had not only walked better than us, he'd run much better than us from evaluating the, their bones. So they use quadrics, uh, four chariot horse, uh, uh, to overrun them and kill them. And those those uh, beings, those those uh, sort of humans that to them were not human because they did not were not capable of uh, verbal speech. They talked by grunts and whistles. Uh, they were becoming extinct because they were remnants from the the fertile Sahara, and the Sahara was drying. The garments don't, didn't allow them to to come out of their caves. If you go to the caves of that part of, of the Sahara, you find amazing paintings like the 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 cave of the swimming the swimming uh, creatures that they show them swimming. Uh, how do I say swimming? It, is that what you do in a pool? Swim. Yeah, swimming. Okay, yeah. swimming. Uh, they have amazing animals depictions that then for many years don't, don't, don't no longer exist in that part of the Sahara, yeah. and to me. They were Homo erectus for sure, because there are other descriptions from other peoples besides the garments of other tribes that yeah, were exactly like that and then were described as being subhuman even then because of how they lived, because they didn't talk. So I think that several species survive much longer than science wants to recognize. Yeah, and there's, and the, yeah, well, I think that's, I mean, when people say 300,000 years for Homo sapiens sapien, I mean, one, nothing's uniform. So it's very possible there were Homo sapiens sapiens in other places earlier. Maybe some made it, maybe some didn't. You know, and not all Homo erectus, you know, uh, were exterminated or died or, or assimilated through whatever means into each other. But of course, when you when you just described that, of course, I thought of two things. One fact and one, you know, uh, fictional, we'll just say. And of course, the first one is Enkidu. You know, I mean, that, that, the, immediately uh, a human that can run faster than a horse, basically Enkidu from the Epic of Gilgamesh, one, one of the things that basically 
started this show, one of the seeds in me that, that started the show, along with the Nephilim and, and a couple of other things. Um, but the other is that there are peoples in Africa right now who communicate with clicks and whistles as opposed to you know, a, a spoken verbal language as we think of a spoken verbal language. I mean, the, the language works identically sure, for sure. them. And it's, it's not just one tribe. I, I, th I think it's several. And they're, and they're not necessarily even genetically that closely related. I mean, there, there, there's more, it's not the right word, speciation, because there, there's only one human species, the human race. Um, but, there's, but there's more genetic diversity in Africa than in certain parts of Africa than the rest of the world combined, you know, in the aggregate. Anyway, um, I think this is probably a good place for me to stop talking and let you sort of finish up your story. Tell them where they can find your book if it's even ready to be purchased. And then we can segue. I mean, you started with Hoagland a couple of times, so you can tell us who Richard Hoagland is. I know who he is, but I don't know that all the listeners will. And then you can go into... Uh, the anomalies that, that you've researched, I, I don't care which order you go into the moon or Mars or bounce back and forth, but however you feel that it's best to, to go into no, I'm, I'm not That's sure I'm, I'm the right person to talk about the... the, the well, you're the person the I have right here. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't be the last, I assure you. You're just the first. Well, as for the moon... Uh, Richard Holland is uh, was a, a reporter and uh, a NASA counselor. Right. Uh, he, through his connections, was given a few photographs that had not been altered by NASA at that point, and he started to see things that shouldn't be there in those images. So we decided to go further. He, he gathered a group of people and decided to look at this in a scientific way as far as was possible with the technology that was very limited at that point to do digital enhancements and things like that. But what he found was that, for instance, in the moon, there are vast broken domes. There are pillars of apparently glass that can go up to three miles high. Uh, his later work showed that uh, the China mission to there. Uh... When I decided to parent at 22 years of age, I had no idea how challenging or rewarding it would be. Looking back, I'd do it all over again. Being a single mom isn't always easy, but it can be the greatest adventure of a lifetime. Whether you're at the beginning of this journey or somewhere in between, CareNet is your go-to place for pregnant and parenting resources. And all services are free and confidential. To learn more and find a location near you, visit our website at carenetcares.com showed him that what he saw in the, the NASA footage was replicated in the footage obtained by the, the Chinese uh, vehicles and robots. And to him it made sense because if, if the moon is all covered in silica, silica is an excellent material to create glass. So we are completely outside my history now. We are only looking at science now. and. Since glass is easy to make when you have silica in abundance, like sand, that was predicted to be on the moon, right. uh, 
glass would be very easy to, to, to use and more. Most people don't know, but glass, when it's made in a oxygen-deprived de uh, environment, is harder than steel. So in the vacuum of space, creating glass makes it so strong, you can make everything out of glass, and that's what he found. He found uh, the, the pillars were made of glass, the, the, the domes surrounding it were completely made of glass, no need for beams of, 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 of some type of, of carbon or, or steel or whatever metal. Everything to him was made of glass. On Mars, he found something completely different. In Mars, he found out more uh, like an Egyptian civilization. He found a place like Sidonia, where we have a five-pointed uh, pyramid. We have a face that the first image, to, to me, the face is the most curious thing because it was something that the, the scientific community could not deny from the image. But they said, okay, we got to take another picture with the sun in another angle, and then we'll decide if the face is really there or isn't. And what happened was then they took the second footage, the footage, the second image, sorry. Uh, they found out that it didn't change the image at all. It, it, the face remained there. So they had to use a big name to come out and say that the face was nothing but a trick of life and shadow as it was being mentioned before. And that name, of course, could only be uh, Carl Sagan. And Carl Sagan was the voice used to say, no, this image it is, isn't the face at all. It's just tricks and light and shadow. Right, and it's just, yeah. a, a, in his words, it's just an, a quite unusual, uh, unusual mountain or something like hill, unusual hill, some, something like that. Right. Uh, well, Carl Sagan had done things like that in the past, like he did to Emanuel Velikovsky, that he destroyed publicly. Uh, I love Carl Sagan because he was my first instructor with the book Cosmos, but I had two volumes, one illustrated and the other not. And so I learned a lot from him, but I also recognized that he had a part to play, like other people have now, that one will not say names, but they, they, the briefcase is passed on from, from people to people. They always have someone very high that when he speaks, it's the law, and it's, he said that, so we don't talk anything more about it. No, since I, I can't tell you much more about the, the, the Mars, I have something more to say about the Moon. And this is what I found out. We think the moon has a gravity surface factor compared to Earth of 16.6%. And we think the moon is completely devoid of atmosphere. So it's nearly vacuum condition. Right. So this was the problem for the moon exploration that was to go to the moon. We needed to know exactly and, and pinpointed exactly where was the neutral point between the distance between the Earth and the Moon. And the neutral point is the point when the Earth no longer is attracting, is the strongest force attracting the ship, and when the Moon overcomes that energy and starts accelerating. So the ship starts to disaccelerate until it gets to that point, because it's pulling by the Earth, and from that point on, it starts to be attracted by the Moon and thus accelerating towards it. So what they expect was that that point was at about 23,000 miles. 
which is uh, 19 moon radius, something like that. But uh, what really happened was that the point is actually at much further distance, and that indicates by the the mathematics that we use today to calculate the surface gravity factor that the moon actually has a minimum of 64% of the Earth's gravity. Mm. And if you use that value because of the neutral point that it was confirmed by Science Magazine by accident, then was confirmed by Werner von Braun when he made the announcement of the only one, because he never told it again, where the ship has stopped being braked by the Earth and accelerated by the Moon. They both show, I won't say the number because it's 43,000, but I don't know if it is miles or kilometers, I can't recall right now. Uh, but it, it, it gives a new value for the gravity of the Moon of a minimum of 64%. Now, when you use that value and think that the Moon was much closer to the Earth in, in, in the past, because the Earth is moving away three centimeters, and that doesn't mean that it only moves three centimeters a year. It could be much faster or slower in the past. We don't know. Uh, we have an answer to how could, for instance, giant animals live on Earth? Because if we put a brontosaurus now on Earth, most scientists tell you that it overcomes a physical limit and the animal with plastered itself on the ground because it's too heavy for the support it has. So physically, it's not 100% explained how those multi-ton animals could live on Earth and, and survive to, to the gravity we have now. But if we placed a much closer moon with 64% of minimal gravity, it will have an impact on Earth's gravity that it will reduce it to the point where not only those animals could live, like you see giant insects that couldn't fly anywhere away. Uh, besides that, you can see that how our ancestors, and I'm not saying ancestors to the younger dryers, I'm talking about ancestors that go way beyond, perhaps two, three, four cycles behind or even more in time. When you see those gigantic boulders, how, how could they lift and move and, and place precisely such large boulders. And I'm talking I'm not talking about the large boulders of the, the Great Pyramid, for instance. I'm talking about large boulders like you find in Peru, in Japan, uh, that are so big that there is no still today there is no crane that could lift it unless we have to do of course we, we eventually would have end doing it because we connect very cranes, we create a new system and we eventually we'd be able to do it with the technology we have today. But will take months to place something like that precisely with our technology. Right. And if we place a much closer moon with that gravity factor, but we found that those stones were not hard to move. They were much lighter then, and if you apply it to the giants that you talk so much, and that I also enjoyed so much, their strength combined with the much weaker gravity would be able to create those megaliths with much ease that we that we can see it today. Uh, furthermore, the that gravity also created some anomalies to what we are told about, for instance, the moon landings, because they tested the, the dust we are talking about about the moon 
if the moon was a vacuum, we couldn't see the dust coming out in rooster tails from the wheels or the prints from the boots because they tested on Earth. They placed a steel ball, they dropped it from the height into a dust fine particle like we find on the moon. And what happens is the ball sunks on the dust, impacts and sunks on the dust. But if you place it in the near vacuum conditions, the dust gets so compacted because they have no air particles between the dust that it first forms a crust. And when the ball falls, the same ball falls on that surface, the ball bounced on the top and stayed on top without deforming the dust, the same dust that they have before. So obviously the moon cannot be in a near vacuum conditions. Furthermore, the 64% gravity factor also shows that the moon is not divided of an atmosphere. Moreover, where the, the moon landings were faked or done, no matter, the places where they said they went were all in valleys where that same uh, uh, atmosphere would be denser because of the pressure to the earth in, in valley areas. So this are very many things to, to confirm this, like for instance, when you see uh, the astronauts move on on the on the on the moon, and we have one famous astronaut there attempt to make a miraculous jump, uh, overcoming the eighteen inches that normal human can jump. It's about forty-five centimeters, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we think that an astronaut, even with a suit, Placed on that is about 83, 84 kilos plus the 83, 84 kilos of the astronaut. So even if you have about 160 kilos on the moon, everything together would be 22 kilos. So when you see an astronaut move, you think that you are seeing a man weighing only 22 kilos moving. You see my point? So I'm I'm still trying to convert the kilos into pounds. <laughs> Oh, sorry. It, it's just do the double and take one or two. Okay. It, it, it's it's so it, it's two point two pounds for each kilogram. Something like that. So the so the pounds would be uh, basically three hundred and fifty pounds suit and and person, uh, and then uh, but they move more like a. 45 pounds? Even if it is 50 pounds, it doesn't it didn't yeah. get to, to 50 pounds. So uh, uh, an athlete like an astronaut weighing 50 pounds, right. even if the suit was limiting some of the movement and, and the images, so I, I can't remember the name of the, of the astronaut now, the, the attempt to, to do the jump, because you see, the, the media were expecting great things from the astronauts. There were articles saying they would do backflips. There were articles right. saying that if they kick a ball with a bat, it will go to a distance of seven seven stadiums. They said if they Absolutely. they they used um, they 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 used um, how do you call the the bat from golf? Golf, yeah. They they they, they if, drivers. They they hit golf. If, if they hit the ball of golf, the ball will go over the horizon. But mm -hmm. the astronauts will be able to do backflips and will go up a ropes with with. A, their arms only. All this is written in the literature, literature of, the, of, the, of the times. And when they get there, what, what we have is astronauts that could not do the tasks that were uh, scheduled for them to do. And right. for what? For exhaustion. 
they couldn't do it because they were exhausted. If you go and see the records, each mission that was failed by the astronauts, 80 to 90% of the times it was due to exhaustion. They couldn't cope with the weight of, of, of the suit and of themselves. Because if you think of 64% gravity, even with them on, on with, with uh, the backpack that most researchers think that the weight of the backpack was not real, the 80, 160 pounds, sorry, the 160 pounds of the, of the suit was not real because they had to double it so they could justify why the astronauts were moving so little in, in, in those conditions. Uh, so there's several things that show that the moon has, is not what you think it is, for sure. That's why I, I don't think it's so far-fetched to think that the moon is not a planet at all. It's, it's, it's artificial. It's, it's placed, some dismiss it, but it's the fifth largest moon around the fifth largest planet. Uh, it has a precise orbit. It helps the planet in the best angle of, of uh, axis. It gives it four seasons. Uh, and it remains as something mythical to all to all races. We, for now, we lost our respect for the moon completely. But if we go back a few a few hundreds or thousands of years, we see that the moon was as as mystical as anything in nature, as thunder, as sure. as, as wind. Just, just like a lot of the things that were venerated in the past, it, it seems to have been demonized. The, the moon is associated with witches and werewolves, and 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 you know, and and sort of the demonization of women, where you know, when it comes to you know menstrual cycles, I don't know a better way to say it. But I mean, some of the things about the moon you're saying are are exactly right. And and just to add on some of them, the, the, and I just saw something on this too, and this. When I paid attention to, which is probably why I was paying less attention to the other stars trying to relay, because uh, I knew that we were going to talk about the moon. Um, one, science doesn't really know where the moon came from. There's a theory, and they say they state the theory as if it's fact at this point, but they don't really know. And this is rather recent, but basically, at some point, four point five million years ago, or some 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 period like that, maybe 4.3 million years ago, when the Earth was still a big molten blob, basically, um, that a, a Mars-like object struck struck uh, Earth, and some of the ejecta from the, from the core, uh, which was hardening, um, ultimately became the moon. Um, that the moon is unusually large for a moon around a planet of our size. The moon's orbit is almost completely circular which is very unusual more most orbits are more elliptical like like well like our own orbit is that because of its size it absolutely not just keeps the tides but the reason it keeps the tides in the four seasons is because its gravity stabilizes our wobble and our wobble in in our daily rotation and our well all rotations and movement is Part of why we have seasons and tides and things like that, but the control of the wobble, the slight bulging, is is what distinguishes us from a lot of when I say Earth, us, I mean Earth, from a lot of other planets. For instance, Uranus basically orbits sideways. Exactly. Um, 
you know, if, if, if you took it from a normal, you know, from a north, south, east, west perspective of ours, but, but it, it, it's wobble is, is, you know, like a weeble wobble, but it doesn't fall down. It, but it's, but it's, uh, extreme. Ours is not particularly extreme. The moon is, I think it's exactly 40 times or 400 times the distance from, uh, from moon to sun. And it's also one fortieth uh, of the distance uh, of the size of of the the sun, so that it appears in the sky to be the same size as the sun, which is why we have can have total eclipses, um, which apparently is also very rare. Um, and and, th- and there's other thing; it's also apparently very uh, resonant. The, the 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 like if if you do uh, like a stomp, like if you had like a jackhammer type of like you'd have almost like a bell effect on it, which science has posited that it's because the it's so dry that there's not water in its core that that that, that it's sort of porous, so that you are sort of going into uh, almost like a, a giant um, sponge, a hard sponge, so that the everything echoes and echoes and echoes like caverns. Whereas the Earth, it's it's more solid and then there's molten and there's so much water to absorb absorb it but again these are all theories because apparently you can't nobody has successfully been able to excavate deeper than like 18 inches into the the moon surface whatever their sea level equivalent would be because it hits like a very hard you know layer that it's almost steel which you know either means that there's very very hard rocks in there and or that it's a it's a shell, an artificial shell, or some element that we don't know. So you know, there's the the hollow moon theory, which is fun as all can be. You know, others are like, no, it's not, but someone put it there to to help you know make it so this planet could be that way. Whether that someone is God, or whether they're architects, you know, or watchers, as you you know put in your book. I, I don't care which it is. It's just, I, I mean, I, I don't, well, I do care, but I'm not going to take a position on, on which it is, whatever it is. It, you know, the odds are literally astronomical. Now, someone could say, well, duh, Jeff, it's in space. So, of course, it's astronomical. So, even if there's astronomical odds, it's going to happen. And, and here it is. And the only re- reason we think it's unusual is because, well, it's here. It's us. It's ours. So, you know, we, we are that exception to the rule. Uh, again, whether that was done by the grace or idea of God or, or, or something else, you know, again, I, you know, whatever my position doesn't matter because I don't know any better than anybody else does. Um, but there's so many anomalies to the moon. And then also on, on the surface, as you mentioned, there's, there's anomalies. And then you've also went into a lot more detail than I ever knew about the astronauts and the, the physics and the gravity. Um, I'm having constant, uh, Constance Briggs, she's got, I, I apologize to her if she's listening to this. I, I, I can't recall her full name right now, but I have her scheduled for late in July to talk about the moon. And the moon, the moon is her thing. So she will know all of this stuff. And it, it's going to be so cool. And, I, and hopefully I can either get from her or, or a referral or she knows stuff on Mars to get into that because that, that's fun too. But I, I actually think the moon is more interesting than Mars is. Um, except for the fact that on Mars there are these structures that, you know, taken by photograph and, and observation look like they're, you know, I'm going to say man-made, but, you know, made by some sentient creature, gigantic, ar- you know, architecture. And, and and I don't think what a lot of people realize that while certain things on Mars are huge, like Olympus Mons is 
far larger than any mountain we have on Earth. Mars is actually much smaller than Earth. Actually, Mars is closer to the size of the moon. Mars, yeah, Mars I think, is about the fourth of the size of Earth, and the moon, I think, is like a sixth of the size of Earth, something like that. Uh, in relation to what you said about the moon, I just want to say that, that uh, the actual, uh, the, the, the current day theory says that it, it rips apart uh, not from the core, because the, if it was from the core, the moon would have uh, high iron content, and the moon has no iron content. Right, yeah. So, so they say it was apart from the Atlantic, uh, sorry, from the uh, Pacific Ocean, where we would, today would found uh, um, the Easter Islands and fr from, from the gigantic area of the Pacific Ocean right. that was ripped apart and then reformed. That's why it has so many ripples in that area. And the that's the explanation Grand, they have right Grand. now. But one thing that is really important for people to understand is, is that science has suffered for many years from one thing that is uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And science has so many times been the, the voice of reason or the voice of certainty that we forget that what they have told us are not facts, are theories, are ideas, are ideas that are accepted, no, not necessarily proven. And this happened in so many areas that we, take, we give science credit for and not realize that they are not talking about certainties. They are only talking about what they accept of the moment and not from a proven point of view, but from their perspective and their educated guess. That doesn't make it real. So, Well, right. I mean, the thing about science is that, uh, you know, people sometimes ignore the, the word that comes after a lot of things they say, which is theory. And, you know, and, and people say, well, science says this. Yeah, it's a theory. Now they they think that you know they might think some theories are more likely than others, or some that are almost certain. But it's still the word the word theory is not used accidentally. Um, but you know that and, and and these are all theories. And yet, yes, you know I I don't want to you know. There's a lot of I understand what you're saying, and I hear that a lot, and. The question I want to ask you, because I don't, I, I've, I've never been able to find a satisfactory answer for myself. And, you know, we're, we're all sort of a victim of, you know, what we were, where we were raised, what, we, what our education was, what, what, you know, wh whether we spent too much time watching, you know, TV shows as opposed to reading books and studying or whatever. But what, what do you, what do you think is the motivation for the powers that be, whomever those, the powers that be are to, stifle science because i mean i would understand that if, if it was like you know the church was running everything and you know they, they didn't want people to flee from god um but if it was science that was trying to run everything you'd think that they would want everyone to flee from god to come to you know basically the vulcan side of logic um i i find it very hard to believe that anyone is actually in control because i've been in too many you know uh, boards homeowners associations, condo associations, you know, pool clubs, <laughs> you know, any kind of, you, you put any 10 or 12 people together and, and, and you're, you're going to get, you know, factions by day three. Um, so what, what, you know, what do you, what's your theory on what is the motivation from sort of hiding what is known truths from us? Well, I think there are very various explanations. One of them 
the most the simplest one that and is almost undeniable is economic. If you remember, because uh, I'm not that much younger than you are, and uh, we are we used uh, to in here we call it diskettes. I don't know how it was called there. It was the disks that we inserted in the computer, the, the square disks that floppy we disks. insert. Floppy disks, okay. And they invented the CDs. And the CDs were kept in warehouses full of them for months to years. Why? Because there were still floppy disks to be sold. Mm -hmm. And they had to accomplish a certain degree of, of waste material. And until that point was reached, we couldn't get the technology. So there are lots of technologies that are taken from the public for economical reasons. So what we can see now is probably what was developed 10 years ago or five years ago. And unless it's something they can make a lot of money with, they will release it very slowly. As for the powers that be, well, my thoughts are this. I think that whoever is in control at this point is very worried on how to remain in control after the imminent uh, end cycle, be it in 30 years, be it in 50 years, be it in 100 years, be it this end cycle, be it cosmic or human-made, because I also see that possibility. It could be something social, a, a social reset, a, a social reorganization, what many people call the globalization, uh, and so on. And I think they are struggling very hard at this point, giving us things like uh, climate emergence, uh, emergency, the, we had COVID. Uh, before that, if you go further back, we had the, the, the terrorist attacks that we have in England. Before that, we have the 9-11. Each of these steps was preparing society to a new phase. And technology, that was your, uh, your question, is used to help people help uh, between uh, between commas to 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 guide people into a certain objective like uh, rap music was used was something innocent that was then used to fill prisons that are private owned and they need prisoners so let's create a style of music that incites the violence and to and to bad manners and to stealing and to hate others and whatever and let's fill prisons and this was a meeting that really happened with the rappers and said okay you're now going to work to, for me you're going to do this 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 and this is something that most people think i'm lunatic but if you go and check it out this meeting really happened and the rappers were the very ones that talk about it and, and music is what it is today uh who, who, who were the rappers who would talk about it? So if anybody wants. Oh, I can't say the names because it's not my, my area, but I have a friend who knows these things all from heart. But they were the main, the main, it, it was in the very beginning of, of rap. It was. Well, what about like heavy metal? Did, was the same thing done 20 years ago? No, I don't think so. Metal? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, I think that, I think that there is lots of genuine people in all areas, even in those that we think they are bad. There are, gen there are people that are doing that for their own interest, for their own fun, because it's what they like, and, and that's just a matter of judgment. And, 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 well, but there's, lots of, there's been lots of music that sort of made people 
jump. I mean, punk music was all about rebellion, uh, you know, and uh, you know, have this. There's things called death and thrash and liquid. I don't know the difference between any of them. I mean, I, I don't listen to to any of it. But uh, uh, you know, I would think that you know you have these meetings, you know, or maybe they just did the experimentation once on rap with a meeting, knew it worked, and never had to have a meeting again. Uh, you know, I suppose that's possible as well. But uh, I don't know. I just never heard that before, so I'm interested. No, the control was reversed this way because these people were, were getting num- name in the industry and what they offered to them and to each one that, that decided to implant in this world of music after that was, I'm sorry to, to say this word, but it was drugs and women. And women. So they fill them with money, they fill them with drugs, they fill them with women. And all they had to do is to deliver songs that could eventually incite people to do, to, to create behaviors like we see today. For instance, in my country, until rap, I, I didn't see anyone going in the street like they have a deficiency in the, in the, in the hip or a problem with the hands. Because uh, when they speak, they have to move their hands like they are handicapped or, or they have to walk in a certain way that they, they do uh, a certain juggle. And this created this, this kind of trance like women now places the, the front of the shirts inside the trousers. How these things come up? Where these things came from? So there is social conditioning in all areas. And the media and the, the social media we have today, for instance, I have a friend that says, I don't know why you use Twitter. Twitter is a poison. It's, it's like TikTok. And, it's, and, I, and I say to him, no, it's, it's like it, it's just what people use it for. Because even in TikTok, I, I don't get uh, strange things. I want to get things that interest me. In Twitter, is the same thing. Uh, eventually, there comes one or two people that, that comes to say hi with different intentions, but we can ignore them with ease. So, but most people that only live their lives in the work and fun kind of way, living their lives, uh, are conditioned and indoctrinated from this, from this waves of, of trends of novelty that everyone wants to follow, like when it was with the iPhone, everyone wants the new way. My iPhone is still working, but there was another one, so I gotta buy another one. So all these things in, are structured in society to make us act in a certain way. And well, we all know that there were experiments, uh, you know, in the CIA in the 50s is famous for that, We're trying to use psychic control and figure out ways of, of social control. I mean, you know, some would argue that, that that's, you know, that, you know, that that's one of the purposes of, of religions. You make them popular, you know, because people feel like they need it or want a sense of community or both. And that that's a form of social control. But I, I think that I hideously got you off of, of the, the topic of of you know, why, you know, why is science being curtailed? And, and I think that where we started this, it was economics, basically, that, that, uh, that, that the manufacturers, uh, had to get rid of their inventory first, basically, before they started to release the next exactly. thing. And by the time the next thing is available, they've already moved on to another technology, but they need to get rid of that inventory as, as well. I mean, it, it, it's almost like, well, you just used iPhone. I just had to get a new iPhone. And, and basically, the, the gentleman told me, listen, if you get three to five years out of your battery, you're, you're, you're lucky. Um, and the fact that you got seven years out of it, you've overachieved. But yeah, you're, that, that's what it is. You can replace the battery, but that's about as expensive as getting a new phone. So you're going to 
you know, get a new exactly. truck. But, but either way, you're buying something from us. Uh, you, you know, so, um, you know, and, I, you know, I don't know why you told me all this. I mean, I don't think it's, it's a, it's a mystery. I mean, you know, the, there are appliances from the 1970s that still work, but if you buy a new appliance now, you know, if you get 10 years out of it, that that's a lifespan. You know, it, you know, it's not because it's not because our technology we've devolved. It's because they build it not to last for you to get a new one. Exactly, it's, then, it's made to to biodegradate in 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 that period of time. The, the very the, the, even the motherboards where the circuits are inserted have a lifespan. It it it, it degrades in time. So that that material has to be replaced in in a few years, so, because after it's like it's like medicine. If they taught uh, physicians to heal people, they would be out of business. They need products that heal this and provoke that, and then they sold the, the medicine to solve the problem to, to to the disease they created in the first place, and so on and so forth. So, economics does have a very important part. In, in, in technology. But also I think that they have they, on their own they, they can use uh, types of technology that are not available to the public. But to us it would be science fiction or something like that. For instance, many of the now today is UAP, right? Mm -hmm. It's the name for to me, it was always UFO. But sure. Now it's 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 all UFO to me, but yeah. So how many of those are human? How many of those are test planes? Because I have I have in my in my database, I have the shapes from the planes that people are describing, the the ships that people are describing now. I have those images from fifty years ago. Right. In 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 and with the code name of the project, and uh, so how many of them are? They are seen, for instance, in Area 51. Yes, Area 51 may, may very well have the, been... The Phoenix Lights, the famous Phoenix Lights, looks exactly like the lighting would be on one of those large stealth bombers. I mean... For instance, the stealth bomber, as, as, as I was told, uh, only needs the rockets to get up in the air and than to land, because once it's in the air, it's a completely different type of engine that does not require the same type of technology that we are. That's why it is completely silent. It does not use the, the, the rockets, but if it's true or not, I, I live in a country where there are no B-50, B-planes B, B or whatever they are called, so I can I can tell. Sure. Well, there's also supposedly a, a group of shuttles, which are much larger, which can hold human uh, payloads of 300 people. I mean, the shuttles that the, even before the shuttle program was retired, if in fact it's ever been fully retired, I mean, I think maybe they, what, six to eight astronauts at, at a time. And so I've seen some renderings uh, of what those bigger shuttles were. And they, I mean, they have the same basic design as a, you know, a giant triangle, um, but even bigger than the stealth bombers, obviously, because you got to hold 300 people for a, you know, elongated trip. So all that, but, uh, you know, that's what it is. I mean, I personally believe that anything that has lights is man-made because if you traveled from even intrastellar, but certainly, uh, you know, interstellar, what the hell do you need headlights for? 
your, your technology is so far. You don't need light. You 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 have you have the sensors on your ship. You've got you've got something that that that, that takes you know X-ray thermal spectrums that we don't and and consolidates into images. You don't need lights. I mean, there is but there is another way to look at it into it because imagine that if you have that technology, you can create a field around the ship. Uh-huh. If you can create a ship uh, a shield uh, a field around the ship. You can project into that field as we are learning to see to, to do now. You can project into that that uh, field whatever you want. Oh yeah, I, I absolutely just, believe that there'd be an energy that there'd be one large luminescence or a shimmer or, or yeah. something. But the ones that have like lights on, like like close encounters of the third kind, no, <laughs> they don't need headlights and and the red lights so they don't crash into each other. It's it's just it's just not a thing. It would, I mean that that that. Yeah, but, my, but my point is, if you have that technology, wouldn't you disguise your ship as something local? Yeah. I mean, I see your point. Yes. Yes, you, you could if you didn't want it to be easily detected or whatever. Yeah, I, I suppose if they were if they were chess players, then then yes, in fact, they would to, to make it something plausible deniability or, or to sort of fit in. So, yeah, from that, yeah. And that would be the only perspective. And then I guess the question is, are they male- malevolent or are they benevolent checking on their experiments or, or, you know, or scoping us out and not wanting to be too obvious about it? Um, yes, but, but if, if to do that, we have to enter in a field like um, Cory Good, for instance, that, that has a galactic council with countless alien races that has uh, connections with the inner Earth and... and uh, and, and that would would bring so much complication into to, to our already complicated cosmology. That the, if if we're, my question is this: Why on Earth would an alien ship come into the atmosphere of a planet if he didn't have any intention? For instance, if we see the protocols for Enterprise, they could not interfere with the. They could not show themselves. If I can recall, I'm not a, a trekkie, but if I recall, one of the protocols is they could not be seen using technology yeah. or something that interact. So I think that anyone that has that kind of technology, either it comes to say this is mine, and then you can see them, and or just to have a look. Do you think that you do millions of of miles, of trillions of miles, just to go into the atmosphere? Oh, seen this, seen that. That's the Earth. You put it in the report. Let's go home. It doesn't make sense to me. So yeah. if they, they, either they are local and they are unknown to us, because coming from outer space just to come and see to a planet, I, I find it very weird. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying that it would be very casual and, 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 and be very lucky for anyone, in, 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 even for a civilization, to see an event like that, that an intergalactic civilization that is recording space as it even falls in front of them, would come into the Earth to make a report about this civilization. Well, well, you sense. sort of tipped your hand with your book, with your premise of the, the, the Helix myth. I mean, yeah, obviously there's some sort of council and governorship, and that, that goes in with the what is gaining traction, which is the actual, the real translation of Elohim as plural, uh, which fits into the, the, you know, sort of the large council of, of the panoply of almost every mythology. Uh, it you know fit, fits in with the Anunnaki concept. It, it, it fits in with why maybe there were dif- different 
figures that were prominent that ended with L in their name, Raphael, Gabriel, Michael, you know, Belial. I know, I know Belial and Azazel. I know they've been turned into, you know, evil or whatever. You know, maybe there was a civil war that they lost. Maybe that, or maybe like you said, you know, or in your book, you know, maybe posits as, as the, the Syrians, which I presume were from Sirius. Um, exactly. The ones described by the Dobbins. Right. That, that's right. Yeah. The, the, the sort of the Dolphin people. So anyway, it's, it, 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 there's so much out there and it's great. And we, we sort of started with the Helix myth. We brought it back to, uh, the, maybe the inspiration for the Helix myth. And in between we did, uh, moon, a little bit of Mars, a lot on the moon, a little bit of Mars and a little bit of, uh, I think the debate that's at every UFO conference that's ever been. Um, and let, let me just say one more thing about yeah, Mars. Uh, it's not only Sidonia, because if you go and check the official images for Mars, you'll see that still today, Mars has something that looks exactly like lakes, exactly like large plant life. Uh, you see the, the, those aquatic plants that are circular, that we see in the cartoons with a, with a frog on top of it. Lily pads. Lily pads, okay. Imagine that on dry ground, going up in... in around like an acacia tree but very large like with 300 300 meters span we see forests of forests of that on mars uh so there are endless signs in photographs by nasa that mars is not the dry place that we, we think it is it, it, it was worth i will send you the link of one fellow that for 20 years have been collecting data on that I thought even that his site was down. I recently found out that he has been updating it with new photos. Yeah, maybe I'll try and get him on the show. We'll see. It, it, I mean, I'll definitely try. Quite impressive. It's quite impressive. Well, well, I'll definitely try. Whether he agrees or responds well, is another story. But I will I will try. I'm always looking for someone, uh, uh, you know, on Mars that that will talk about that stuff. But it's it's always fun. So, yeah. So, Ricardo, thank you so much for being on the show. We've 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 covered a lot um and a lot of fun uh tell the folks where they can find you where they can find your stuff how they can support you if, if that's what you're looking for well i i don't have anything for them to support me if they want to support me just to go and check my my text at uh, medium ricard calvario uh it's m-a-i-u-n and then ricard calvario they can find me on twitter as Ricardo Calvrio one. Uh, I think you better spell it. Okay, it's uh, Ricardo. It's quite simple. So R I C A R D O and connected with C A L V R E O one. So uh, and that's that's I have I have my YouTube that has been a quite a disaster because YouTube has kept putting me down. So now I only have my own videos on YouTube and I'm still trying to monetize because my own videos to them, they keep saying to me that it's not my material when it's me speaking, it's my imagery and they still are fighting with me to monetize my channel. But my, my channel is history, myths and legends when you can find all that I've been spe speaking of and much more about the moon. You can find uh, a detailed, because 
I'm not one to say this is this and this is that. I like people to think. So in my Atlantis series, instead of what most people do, that Atlantis was there and that this is all the evidence. I didn't do that. I made a three-part documentary on Atlantis where I go into all the literature that came from the past and 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 everyone can would would find hard to find that amount of 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 data all together in, in, in two videos with a third bonus of the of the what you talk about the garments and the uh, the, the eye of the Sahara that I, I think it, as as many other places that people present I think there were harbors from the Atlanteans but not Atlantis itself uh, so it's my my channel and on Rumble I have I'm now uploading my collection again because I have more than a thousand videos. Uh, all documentaries, hard to find most of them because I've been collecting them for 20 years or more. Uh, I'm now upgrade, uh, uploading again because YouTube put it all down. I'm now uploading all again to Rumble, but he's been accepting them. And the name is just the same, it's History, Myths and Legends. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's about it. That's what I have. That's all. Uh, you know, you sent me some links to some of your shows, and I've I've watched every single link, but and they're very interesting, and they're they're well done, and they're well organized, and they're not very long. Um, so you know, it's uh, you know, basically, you've done the work so that other people don't have to. But of course, it's it's enough that, that they give them a starting point if they wanted to go further in their research. So again, I, I would uh, only thing we could add is if anyone uh, that has an interest in in knowing. Uh, Portugal, its its sites, and wish to contact me to make a, a visit to some place like Sintra, where I have to also you'll find videos about Sintra in my in my YouTube channel. That I think it's perhaps the largest place of power and place of magic that exists in the world today. That is a place that was entirely built in eighty years. So every tree, everything we see in that mountain was all grown as if Galadriel itself was sprinkling the land and everything came up because it was the place where all the Masons, Rosicrucians, occultists, when they were banished from Europe, they all concentrated in Sintra. Templars. And, yes, and they, they as they done before, because Portugal is basically a, a Templar country. It was founded by Templar. Our kings were given the right to rule by the Templars. Uh, so Sintra is, 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 is one of those places that is, it, it, in some points I could say it, it's hard to breathe. Its energy is so strong because they, they excavated the whole mountain. They, they used the under, underwater levels, uh, underwater, uh, underground water channels to amplify those energies. And if anyone wants to come to Portugal and wish for me to give them a, a guided tour, I never did it, but uh, I think it's 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 a good time for me to start because my life at this point is uh, the business of the family is going down because of technology. You are going up from publicity in paper to to digital publicity, and we deal with physical publicity, and we are sinking <laughs> right yeah. now. So it's a very hard time for me. Uh, COVID also destroyed much of it, and. Uh, so I'm I'm looking for for new opportunities and new new jobs and, and whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's tour, it. Well, tour guide on a special magical to 
a place probably not enough people have heard about. So, hey, maybe, maybe uh, if you come back, the, the show will be on Sintra. And uh, I guess it, I, I've never heard of it before. And you can tell me who Galadriel is. And, and I mean, it sounds Tolkien-like, so. Galadriel is Tolkien. It's, 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 it sounds yes, familiar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so She's oh. the one who gave the little box with the dust to, to, to Sam. And Sam regrow the the Shire with death sprinkling. Does she live the way Tyler's character? In the Sorry, movie? does she live Tyler's character in the movie? No, no, no. Kate Blanchett's. She is Kate Blanchett. Exactly. Okay, the, the wood, the wood queen, the wood elf. Exactly. exactly. Okay, I, I knew I heard the name from somewhere. Um, all right, well that'll be fun. So may, maybe we'll do that. Anyway, I, I thank Ricardo again for coming to us from Portugal. Thank you for making time, especially since it's thank you five or six hours uh, later there than it is here. And folks, thanks for listening in. Uh, as always, ask for your ratings, your written reviews, five stars if you please. And more importantly than anything else, co-equal. Subscribe and let your friends know. If, if other people are interested in things that vary great and small, include this very show is a perfect example of of going all over the place but somehow maintaining a theme uh you know if, if you're interested in well what is a wild tangled root filled and branch filled garden uh then come on in and tell your friends to jump on into the water is uh well maybe as damp as mars who knows uh anyway thanks for tuning in and we'll hear from you next week on the garden of doom <laughs>